Amen. I talk to angels. I really do. I visibly, visibly saw one angel in my life go to the incubator of my daughter. Open my eyes when they said she wouldn't live. And I said, oh, God. I started singing an old song. I feel the touch of hands so kind and tender. Leading me through paths I must trod. Here she is, born two and a half months early. Born at 29 weeks of pregnancy. Myconium in her lungs. She was dying. I already told my wife she wouldn't make it. The nurse checked out. Went to the bathroom stall and started praying because she is so sick. Later told us. I went to prayer. And I said, God, touch my baby. Touch baby Jillian. When I start singing that old song, so let the storms rage high. Just me in an incubator. Let the dark clouds rise. They won't worry me. For I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. How many believe that? How many feel that? He walks with me. He heard your prayer. And none of earth can harm me. For I'm sheltered in the arms of God. When I opened my eyes, there was an angel standing between me and that incubator. And I watched Brother Gene stand. Brother Gene, I watched an angel put its hands inside that incubator and lift into her body. And I knew God had touched my baby. I didn't tell a nurse. I didn't tell a doctor. I didn't tell anybody. My wife's upstairs recovering with her incision. When I stepped out, Brother Gene called me. Telling the truth, Brother Gene. And he said, I had a vision from the Lord today. Just like I had a vision with you just a moment ago in the spirit. He said, I had a vision. He said, in that vision this morning, he said, the Lord told me to call and tell you what I saw. I said, what was it? He said, I saw a group of angels in that Nick unit with your baby. And one of the angels stepped away from the group and walked up to the incubator and lifted its hands and tied that incubator, lifted into her body, pulled out something dark. He said it was the infection trying to take her life. He said, the Lord said, don't worry, she's going to be all right. She's 11 years old now. Because God knows where you're at. God knows where you're at. Now, now here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, I've already made a decision. We're going to have church tonight. Here's what we are going to do. Brother Nehemiah, I've already talked to him. And uh, we got a lot of new people coming to church. And you can be seated. Brother Nehemiah is going to meet with anybody that's hungry to, to know more about repentance. Maybe you've repented, you haven't been baptized, been baptized. You've been baptized, but you've never received the Holy Ghost. Acts 8 says, He did not come upon them until they were baptized. Repentance is an experience separate from baptism. Baptism is an experience separate from repentance. And the Holy Ghost is a, an experience that's separate from those. Some people teach that at faith you receive the Spirit, but that's not biblical. The Bible says they had not received it until they already had faith. But when they got baptized, just like when Jesus come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him like a dove. A separate experience that came after baptism. I don't even believe baptism brings it because you'll see, you'll see that in Acts 10, they received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized. And Acts chapter 10 also says they already had faith, but they were not saved yet. They had faith. Read it. Read Acts 10, Acts 11. He prayed to God always, gave much alms to the people. 
Cornelius, like I was telling her, Cornelius, God saw the sincerity of his heart, and Acts 11 says, but they were not saved. Why? They hadn't repented, hadn't been baptized, hadn't been filled with the Holy Ghost. And what happened was, when they got to their house and started teaching repentance, don't judge me, just read it for yourself, Acts 10. When he started talking about the repentance and remission of sins, while Peter yet spake these words, Acts 10, 44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they had the circumcision which believed were astonished as men as came with Peter because on the Gentiles was also poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do they know they received the Holy Ghost? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Don't let anybody tell you that speaking in tongues was only for the apostles or disciples. That's false doctrine. Hold on a minute. That's false doctrine. Because you go to Acts, some, some other people teach that it only happened on the day of Pentecost. That is not true. It happened in Acts 2, day of Pentecost. It happened in Acts 8 with half-Jews or Samaritan. Acts 10 and non-Jews, which are Gentiles. And it happened to already believers who had been baptized by John the Baptist who believed on Christ, who had been baptized, but they hadn't been baptized in the name of Jesus. And so guess what they did? They rebaptized them. Read Acts 19. If you're taking notes, read it. They rebaptized them because they hadn't had the name of Jesus invoked or spoken over them. The only way they baptized in the book of Acts was in the name of the Lord. It's true. Nobody in the scripture was ever sprinkled. They weren't. Nobody. That's tradition of man. The word baptism itself means to be submerged. That means to go all the way under. Listen, we rebaptize people with their thumbsticks out of the water. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm going to obey scripture. I'm not emotionally connected to anybody's tradition. I'm not, excuse me, I'm not bound to anybody's tradition. And, well, how about all these people have been sprinkled? They're before God. They'll stand before God. But let me tell you what you need to understand is we have to do it the Bible way. The word baptism, have you ever seen the movie, The Book of John? Have you ever heard of that? They take Jesus out into a pool of water in the Jordan River, and he takes his hand and water and pours it over his head. That is not what happened. He went all the way under. That's why the Bible, you, you don't take a man out into the graveyard and put him out there and throw dirt on him when he dies. Just a little bit of dirt. No, you bury him. Romans 6, we are buried with him by baptism. How I many know when you repent of your sins, you die out to your sin, but you get baptized as a burial to wash away all your sins? Well, you have friends and family and people you love that were sprinkled Let's let that be between them and God. But as for me and my house, I've got to seek the Lord with fear and trembling to do it why God wanted it to be done. I don't want to do man's tradition. I want to obey the Holy Ghost. I want to obey His Word. How many want to obey the Word of God? Amen. 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 Brother Nehemiah, at 6 o'clock tonight, if any of you say, I'm hungry for more of God, I want, I, I, I want to know more about baptism. I, I want to... I, I've repented, I've been baptized, I haven't received the Holy Ghost, and, uh, but I'd like that to happen. I want you to come tonight. He's just going to break it down very simple to where you can understand it. Anybody's welcome to come, and uh, we're going to have that tonight. How's that sound, Brother, Brother Nehemiah? Y'all feel the Holy Ghost here? We believe in conversions, not religious traditions. I believe God can set the heart free. He can take the angry man and make him a, just a good, honest, loving person. How many of you believe that? Amen. He, he can take him out of the ditch and make him a preacher. He can. Come on, he can take him off the streets of prostitution, bring him in and make him Sunday school teachers. Do you believe that? Because that's how God works. God can do anything. He can do anything. 
I want you to jump your feet, clap your hands, and thank God for everything he can do for you. He can do for you. He can do for you. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I am going to preach this morning because I feel I need to. And uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to try not to hold you long. But I, I want to leave you with a thought. Psalms chapter 23. Psalms 23. Y'all know what that one is, don't you? Anybody know it without looking at it? What is it? Come on, all you Bible students. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Finn crawled up in bed with me last night memorizing this verse in his Bible quizzing. Cindy, he crawled up last night. I didn't tell you. He crawled up in the bed with me last night learning Psalms 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He said, I don't understand it. Why wouldn't you want God to be your shepherd? He said, why wouldn't you want God to be your shepherd? I said, that's not what it means. Well, what does it mean, Daddy? I said, it means that when the Lord's your shepherd, you won't have wants. He's going to take care of it. Somebody shout, he's going to take care of it. Come on, you really believe he can take care of it? Woo, hallelujah. He's going to take care of it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. He making me to lie down in green. Notice, pastures, it's plural. How many of you just pictured one field? Look at your neighbor and say, you've been wrong. Amen. He leaveth me beside the still water. One pool. One little measly pool. You've been, no, 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 no. Pastures, waters. He restoreth, singular, He's personable with me. Not just he restoreth souls. He restoreth my soul. (laughs) To think that the God of the universe knows your name. Hair on your head's number. Knows everything about you. He comes down and personally touches your situation. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, somebody shout me. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with us. No, he's personable. Somebody shout me. A little girl got up in church and sang one time when I was a kid. She had sugar diabetes. She found she had type, her mom had type one. Just a little girl, she's six years old. She's a little bit, she's a little bit, uh, so you just see, she's a little bit chubby and uh, cute. You know, they're always cuter when they're chubby. And she's about that tall. And uh, she got up, she started singing. She said, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. She stomped her foot like that. Her cheeks just jiggle, you know. Standing in the need of prayer, she'd say. It's not my mom, it's not my dad. Right after she was diagnosed. But it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. My dad went and laid hands on her and said, in Jesus' name be healed. She went to the doctor. She said, doctor, my pastor, pray for me and I'm going to be healed. And she was. She's not a diabetic. God healed her. Me, he's personable. Amen. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort. Thou preparest the table before. Well, that was weak. You must not be hungry. Amen. Thou preparest the table before. In the presence of enemies. Thou anointest my head with our cup. 
No, my cup. Look at your neighbor say, me, 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 me. My, my. <laughs> Somebody shout, my cup. Run it over. I like to preach for the next few moments. Oh, and it's bigger than me. Amen. Clap your hands and clap your hands and shout, praise him. Thank you for his word. Amen, 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 amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Man, we've had a move of God at this church. Last Sunday alone, we baptized nine people. Woo! Come on, all in heaven rejoices over one. Nine people baptized in Jesus' name. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, people received just, just I think Monday alone or Tuesday alone, there were five that, that were filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and Brother, Timothy's, Brother Timothy's son was baptized in Jesus' name. Brother, where you, where you at, Brother Timothy? Timothy Johnson, his son was baptized in Jesus. His older son, baptized, 20 years old, baptized in Jesus' name. Are we excited about that? Hey, how many know something happens when you get baptized? Praise God, praise God, and we want them to be at Bible study tonight. We really do. So many people, they, Brother Godwin went down to New Lexington. We had five receive the Holy Ghost at the New Lexington Church. Come on, it's exciting times. Hallelujah. Everybody say, my cup runneth over. When you study the concept of the blessing of God, that's, that's the principle is that what God does for you is more than just for you. He never intended just to put it all in one container. One container. I think a little bit of us that there can be a singular mindset that if we're not careful, we will, we will cause God to come down and form into how we think and how we were raised. But Isaiah 55 says his ways are above my ways. And his thoughts, somebody shout, his thoughts are above our thoughts. Amen. He's bigger than me. It's, it's bigger than me. Even, even the thing that I'm a part of is bigger than the role I play. It's, it's much bigger. Somebody shout, it's bigger than me. Me is involved, but it's bigger than me. Let's look at Malachi 3.10. Talked a little bit about tithing last week, but uh, I want you to hear this verse and a portion of this. Look what Malachi 3.10 says. Throw it up there for me if you don't mind. Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be what? Amen. Everybody say meat. Meat in my house. Look, at, look, look what it says. And prove me now herewith. Prove me with your tithes. Take care of it, saith say the Lord host. Look what verse, look, read on. If I will not open the window. Did you get it? Look at that. It's windows. That's how we do in quizzing when there's an S in there. Got to make sure they get that quote right. We've quoted that verse for right, but we pictured it wrong for years. It doesn't say, if I will not open the window. Our problem is, is when we think of God blessing, we picture singular things. One area of your life. One, come on, how many picture a little ceiling towel getting moved out of the way and just, come on, anybody? You're afraid to raise your hand. Just be normal, raise your hand. You pictured one window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of you are not, not telling the truth. And uh, I was in this all my life. I pictured a window opening over me and God blessing me just sort of slide back in the window chick, 
Slide the window back. He doesn't say that. He said, if I will not open the windows. He told Abraham, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to bless you and your family and the whole earth is going to be blessed because of what you did. I am convinced. Oh, my goodness. I am convinced. Watch what it says. Windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Look at, look at the principle of blessing. Everybody shout, this is blessing. <laughs> that there should not be room enough to receive it. When God blesses, when it's a blessing of God, it's going to be more than you need. More than you can receive. That's why I got upset. He said, why are they building barns and they're storing it up? I didn't give it all for them. He said, I gave it to be a blessing to them and through them to bless others with. Somebody shout the blessing of God. When God blesses you with finances, he's going to take care of you if you're a steward and, and you give according to scripture, he's going to bless you and have enough to bless somebody else that can't bless anybody else. How many know that's the truth? You're going to be able to bless missionaries. You're going to bless the poor. Even in scripture, when he would pour the rain out, they were required by law to leave the corners of the, of the cornfields. Why? So the poor could have enough. Because not only would they would have enough to feed their families, to feed their stock, to feed their oxen, to feed their sheep, to store up for winter, they'd have enough for the families and enough to gather to sow the next year and still leave the corners of the fields so the poor could come and eat. It was God's welfare system. Can you say amen? What you have to understand, it is the will of God that you as the body of Christ be a blessing, not just to you and your wife and your kids or your spouse, but you become a blessing to everything near you. Everything that touches you becomes blessed. That is the will of God. Do you believe that? My dad was hired on a job in the coal mines. He's a coal miner. I remember uh, him working the coal mines in those days. I remember him working the deep mines. And where I grew up, there would be um, uh, they they would have blasts that they would do, and they would put off dynamite and blow things up, you know, down in those mines and things. I remember the. The, the pictures on my house shaking when they would do those blasts. And I remember sometimes I think, oh, I hope my daddy didn't get hurt. One time, didn't, didn't you hear a blast? A little bit later, you hear an ambulance go up the road. Ooh, going up more, I think, as a kid. I hope that's not my dad. One time it was. He was in the back of that ambulance. He'd, he'd got hurt in the mines. And I remember that as a kid. But I also remember that when they hired him on the mines, that, uh, oh, I feel something in the Holy Ghost right now. Listen. The Lord's going to quicken some of you to pray randomly. Don't miss it. My grandfather started working at coal mines at age 12. Let me just obey the Lord. My grandfather started working. Both of my grandfathers started working at coal mines at age 12 in the deep mines. That's the way it was back in the hills in those days. And, and uh, they had to work to provide for their family. And, but when my grandfather was older, he was, he was down in a mine shaft and and uh, uh, went to work that day. And my grandmother, who was saved, my grandfather was not saved. And um, Homer Bounds was his name. He wasn't saved. And um, my, my grandmother was awakened in the very, very, very early in the morning. And she got up and felt she was supposed to pray for my grandfather. She did. She got out of bed and got on her knees and said, Oh, God, touch Homer today. Whatever's going on, God, let your hand be upon him. Just a few hours later, much earlier, they didn't have cell phones and contacts and landlines up in the coal mines. They didn't have all that. But way sooner than he should have, hours before he was supposed to come home from work, he came to the door and she looked at him. She could tell he was very, very, very distraught. Homer, what's wrong? He says, something happened today. 
He said, I was down in that deep coal mines. He said, and a voice spoke to me to look up. You have to understand in the coal mines, it's not lit with lights, electricity. You got a little mining cap back in those days. Uh, they have one of those, what they called, you gave me one, uh, Brother Dunlap, a carbide light they'd have. A carbide light they'd put on their mining cap and have the only thing you see is just what, what's in front of your face. It's so if you turn a light off, you can't even see your hand. You, it is pitch black, no light down in the coal mines. And, and uh, you can only see where your light's, where your light's shining. And, and uh, a voice spoke to him, look up. When he did, the top of the coal mines, there was a crack, and he saw it, and water began to come out of that crack. And he, he knew enough about coal mines. The whole mountain's caving in. He screamed, run! Just like that. When he did, everybody ran out except one man. He got nervous and went the opposite way, was buried alive in that coal mines. And he said, a voice spoke to me. And this is what I feel in this room. The voice spoke to him at the exact moment that God woke my grandmother up and she got on her knees and said, touch Homer. God, help Homer. Let me tell you something. We got to be sensitive enough to hear the voice of God. Come on. There's, a, there's something happening in this room right now. There is power in prayer. Don't you ignore the nudging of his spirit. Do you believe that? Come on. What I'm saying is, come on. The Lord is moving right now in this room. Come on. Lift your hands if you're going to commit to that type of prayer. He didn't just give you prayer to pray for you. He's going to have you to pray for others. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If he had died, he would have died lost. But a praying, a praying wife, a praying mother. Come on, any of you have some family out of church you want to see God save? It'd be real good to stand right now. It'd be real good to stand right now. Lift your hand to start praying. Come on, lift your hand to start praying. We're a spirit-filled church. Come on. You don't want your family to go to hell. You don't want them to be lost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. It's bigger than me. Somebody shout, it's bigger than me. The gifts of the Spirit that operate in your life. Man, there's a call to prayer. The Lord calls you on a fast. I want you to fast. He calls you to get up at 3.30 in the morning. Get up and pray at 3.30 in the morning. Do not delay. God is going to use this church mightily for an end time harvest. He really is. Be seated. Be seated. I, I, I just want to talk to you. I really do. I really feel God moving on. Y'all can feel that, can't you? Come on, I'm not up here by myself. Y'all can feel the witness of the Spirit all over this room, can't you? Aren't you thankful for what God's doing? Brother Nehemiah, the gifts of the Spirit, they're not... They, they, they come to us and they work through us. But when God gives a man a gift of the Spirit, very rarely is that gift used for himself or herself. The gift of the Spirit is used for others. So what happens, there's a moment of entrusting that God places the gifts on you. There's a difference between gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit. At the bottom of the, the priest's garment, and, and, and we were doing devotion the other day, talking about being in the tabernacle, and I think it was Jillian said, Daddy, didn't they have bells and pomegranates on, their, on, their, on the robe of the priest? I said, yeah, that's right. What it was, it represented the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is the bells that ring, the fruit of the Spirit. And what would happen is when that priest would worship, the bottom of that robe would, would cause that pomegranate to swing into that bell and just there would be a, uh, uh, you could hear the bells. I almost said tingling, but that's the wrong word. You could, you could hear the ringing of the bells, the worship. Because God doesn't want us just to have the gift of the Spirit. 
He doesn't just want us to have the fruit of the Spirit. He wants us to have the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. What's the difference? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. You understand? The fruit of the Spirit, that comes directly from God. You've got to pray to have the nature of Christ. But when He grants you, it's like a Christmas tree. When He puts the gifts of the Spirit, He hangs them on you. They, they're hung on. They're, 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 they're not necessarily connected to the, to the roots of the tree. The fruits of the Spirit, what happens? Man, I feel this. If you're not careful, you start operating in the gifts and you lose your root system to Christ, you'll become a person that's selfish, without love, hatred, offense, and still operating the gifts. It's not right. And God entrusted you with gifts of the Spirit to prophesy, amen, to speak in a heavenly language, gift of interpretation, gift of discernment, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and, and all those things. But he doesn't ever want us to get to a place we're not connected to him. Amen. God's going to use us in the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm calling this church to understand we got to stay connected to Him through prayer and fasting. we got to have the fruit of the Spirit before we have gifts of the Spirit. Somebody shout amen. I know it sounds like I'm rambling, but I'm not. What the Lord has called me to tell you is that when He uses you in the gifts of the Spirit, don't you use it for your personal benefit. He calls you to prophesy. It's for no reason, Brother Cody. It's not to elevate us. It's not to help us. It's to help somebody else. It's the nature of Christ to reach out and help people that are broken. Come on. You get the gift of healing, you're going to want to lay hands on your own head, lay hands on your own kids. Amen. But it's bigger than that family. There's people that need your gift. They need to lay hands on the sick and they can recover. People you don't even know, God wants to bring miracles. Somebody say amen. amen. So a person could be decorated in the gifts of the Spirit and lose the fruit of the Spirit because they lost the roots to prayer seeking. That's why the Bible says they could prophesy. I don't even, they're workers of iniquity. Amen. You better make sure somebody has integrity. Don't just let it, my goodness, I'm, I feel like I'm rambling. Just watch anybody on TV. The Bible says, know them that labor among you. I'm not just letting anybody give a word of prophecy in my life. The Bible says it's to be judged. I've told people before, I don't receive that. Tell me I'm going to die. People, people come up and prophesy I'm going to die. You know what I want to say when they say, you're going to die? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who you been talking to? Come on, if we're not careful, we'll listen to every little wind of voices that, of discouragement and destructions. Tell me I'm going to be cursed for something. You know, hey, what in the world? You don't have to listen. listen. Somebody told me that one time. I said, the last person told me that was living in vile sin. I ain't received it from you either. What I'm saying is we got to be very careful, people that act spiritual, come in our life. Amen. I want somebody that's like him. I want somebody that loves peace, joy. Come on, are y'all hearing me right now? we got to have the right people speaking in our life, not just anybody filling out there. Come on, how many know God's called us to righteousness? Everybody shout, it's bigger than me. Once you begin to understand the scriptures that when God blesses you, it wasn't just for you. You go through a trial. I didn't say to a trial, but through the trial. It wasn't just for you. When you come through a trial, a trouble, a situation, a circumstance, and whether it's sickness or, or financial or maybe family, whatever, when you come through it, God gives you power over it. It's called jurisdictional authority. That's right. And when God brings you through the valley, you'll have authority over the valley. 
He hangs a badge on you that says you can declare authority over every spirit that attacked you, that battled you. Come on. I believe when somebody comes through cancer, they've got power over cancer. Somebody comes through sickness, they got power over sickness. Do you believe that? Power. Somebody say, somebody say this. Don't let your trial be in vain. Get a testimony. You're going to help somebody else that's going through the trial that God brought you through. And you can declare, if he did it for me, he's going to do it for you. Somebody say amen. It's bigger than me. Come on, how many believe the trial's bigger than me? What am I saying? I'm coming through it with jurisdictional authority. I'm coming through it with power over the adversary. Be seated a moment. Somebody say again, it's bigger than me. So when God saves you, he didn't just save you to save you. Look at 1 Timothy 4 and 16. Everybody say, salvation is bigger than me. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Let's look and see what it says. He told Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, take heed unto thyself. Everybody shout, me. And unto the doctrine, what is that? Biblical teaching. Continue in what? Continue in them. What? For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The gospel was never intended only for you. It's to come to you, then come through you. What I preach over this pulpit isn't just for the anchor church. It's to go to the people that's here and through the people that's here. He would tell the, he would tell the disciples that he would tell them, go tell. Isn't that right? He would teach his disciples to teach. I don't know where the mindset came from in the last several hundred years of Christianity. In the, uh, I should say going back since we've been established here in Christianity that God's locked up in a building somewhere that you come and sit quietly and listen to the preacher. I don't, I can, now I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just being personal. I can go to a church and somebody's talking about the blessings of God and I can't say amen. Went to a church one time. Boy, a guy said amen, and everybody in the building turned around and looked at him. Like, what in the world are you doing? The Bible says the promise of the Lord, they're yea and amen. And so there is a response. There is an expectation. The Bible calls Jesus the amen. He fulfilled fulfillment of the promise. And what that means is, is when the promises of God are spoken to you, whether in a Bible study, a, a, a church service, or you talk to somebody, there should be an amen in your spirit. It says, I believe that. When I talk about God, give an angel in her world, and I speak that prophecy, there ought to be an amen in this building that says, I believe that promise. I, I believe an angel's coming to my house. I, do you believe that? I start talking about there's a revival right now, that there's, that there's a harvest now. Amen. I said, watch this. I jump up and I get excited because it's like fire. Jeremiah says it's like fire shut up in your bones. Hallelujah. I'd rather have a preacher on fire than one put me to sleep. Amen. Somebody that's passionate about this. And I got to preach the harvest is now. And you said amen. And we got people in the altar every service. We can't even get to the offering without people repenting. Why? The promises are yea and amen. When you got it all together and everything's going well, all your bills are paid, you got great health, your family's doing good. And I start talking about the power of deliverance. You, you shouldn't sit there, well, he's not preaching to me. No, he's preaching to somebody because it's more than me, bigger than me. Amen. Go ahead, we're believing for somebody to get their miracle today. Somebody shout amen. That's why the Bible says we mourn with them that mourn. 
We weep with them that weep. Why? Because the kingdom is bigger than me. Somebody shouts bigger than me. Do you believe salvation is bigger than you? That's right. He didn't just save you to save you. Brother Tony preached a message. He said, decisions I never knew I made. He said, I didn't know that morning I come to the altar that my wife was going to follow, that my kids would follow, that my mother-in-law would follow, that my father-in-law would follow. He didn't know then he would be taking the gospel to the city of Crooksville and now New Lex. He didn't know then that when he came to the altar, it was just going to be more than just him and Jesus. It was going to be him, Jesus, and through him to others to receive Jesus. It's bigger. He didn't just save you to save you. Brother Nehemiah, we changed strategy right here. You've already heard me talk about it for a few weeks since that dream. We changed strategy. No longer do we teach. We teach them to teach. We're not just going to teach you. It's not the will of God for you to be in church 20 years and you can't explain how to be saved. Not the will of God you can't explain how, why you live the way you live. You can't tell people about who in Scripture and what in Scripture. And Come on, it's not, well, you just read the Bible to just get it for yourself. That's why you're not getting empowered by it. But when you get it to Power you to help somebody else. Amen. I believe that God will start sending. The Lord's going to start sending people in a hundred mile radius to this church. You watch and see it. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Why? Because there's a pool here. There's a people here. There's an entrusting power of God. You watch and see. The Bible says when he began to teach, he taught very simple. He wasn't a complicated teacher. He was God incarnate flesh. He was God manifest in the flesh. But he broke the law down. He broke the teaching down to where the, everybody could understand. Don't try to be smart. Don't try to be intelligent. Don't try to teach a Bible study to somebody in this town in the Hebrew and the Greek. Are you with me? I mean, every now and then we use Hebrew and Greek. Every now and then we explain the root of the word. But we can't stay in the Hebrew and Greek all the time. Expect for people to understand it. We become barbarians. You know, this told to a farmer, he just said, well, here's the sower and the seed. Whatsoever you sow, you're going to reap. Just like putting corn in the ground. Corn's not going to produce wheat. Brother Ron, it was just simple teaching. It was Jesus was one of the most simple teaching. He, he spoke in parables. He, he didn't get up there and lose, use huge words. You ever been sitting there listening to the preacher? They use fancy words all the time. He's so smart. You try to, you try to learn what he's saying. You can memorize what he's saying, but you, you can quote what he's saying, but you don't even know what it means. Just smooth, fancy words. We don't need smooth, fancy preaching. We need preaching that'll give people, amen, the knowledge of who Jesus is. If he talked to the merchant, he taught. He would be wise. He would talk to the merchant. He would tell him about the pearl of great price. To the farmer, the sower, and the seed. And what I'm preaching to you, we've got to teach this church to teach. We've got to teach every one of you believers to tell your neighbor about who Jesus is. Amen. With simplicity teaching. Because it's not just for you. It's bigger than you. Be seated. It's not that complicated. Tell somebody about Jesus Christ. He died, he's buried, and resurrected. Here's a few verses. Spend a little time. Hey Amen. You can, you, can you can get an associate's degree. You can graduate high school. You can, you can do all those things. Get a PhD. My dad would say drive an LTD. You can be a manager of companies. You can't teach a Bible study. Not the will of God. 
You're going to win people like you. You are. God's going to open the door for it. Everybody shout, learn to teach. Do you believe that? All right, I'm going I'm to try to quit. He said it's going to save you and them that what? Hear you. Y'all didn't tire out on me already, did you? I've only been up here about 27 minutes. And I'm not going to stay much longer. And you got the night off. My goodness. Somebody brew the coffee. We'll go another hour. Amen. I know. We'd do it. They love church. Amen. The anchor people love the gospel. Let me tell you. Let me, let me, saints of the anchor church, they love the gospel. Let me tell you this. It's bigger than you. When God blesses you financially, it's not just for you. There's a field to invest. I'm going to watch out. Watch this. When God blessed this church financially, we didn't just keep it all in Zanesville. You saw global missions today. This church gives, last year, we're 16th and 19th in UPC in giving to global missions out of 5,000 churches. Like 16th or 19th in the nation. Last year, this church gave $137,000 to global missions. 137000 Come on, that's exciting. Because we believe it's bigger than Zanesville. Acts 1 and 8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. It's, it's bigger than us. It's spreading beyond us. It's like an inferno. It starts here, but it spreads there. Somebody say amen. We support churches in, in, in Coshocton. We, we've invested in the region. Bought buildings. Getting ready to buy one in McConnellville. Should close this week. Are you excited about that? We're going to have our own property, our own building. Amen. We're not trying to keep it all in this building. That's not the will of God. It's bigger than this county. It's bigger than this state. It's bigger than me. Every time we ever give out, God always gives it back. On a personal level, God didn't just give you money to bless you. How about the, how about the poor down the street and some other house burnt down? And If you manage it, God blesses it. God will send it, and he'll entrust you with that to be a blessing to others. How many want to be a blessing to others? We've all been in tight spots. But man, when God starts pouring the blessing on, we start giving it, start handing it. Somebody said, if you're in a tight spot, give. That's the truth. Because you can't receive unless you give. And if God ever tells you to give, you know why? It's because he's getting ready to release something in your life. Somebody shout, give, and it will come back to you. Press down, shaking over. Shaking down, running over, will men give back to you? Best thing to do is forgive when somebody does you wrong. Because you need to be forgiven somewhere in your future. Store up forgiveness. Somebody does you wrong, they say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. The altar has, has two things that you can do at that altar. More than that, but two things. It's a place where you're forgiven and you forgive. And there's people in this room right now that your whole world is held up like this because you won't forgive. There's a little video of a, uh, of a young man out there that his brother was murdered. Y'all seen that? His brother was murdered. He said, I haven't told my, even my family what I'm going to say. But he looked at that lady and he said that murdered his brother. I said, I don't even want you to go to jail. You need to find Christ. He said, you need Jesus. 
He said, can I hug you? Have you all seen that? He gets up and goes there and embraces her, and she's weeping and crying. The judge is crying. People in the room crying. And, of course, a lot of people in the country are hating on it because they say he ought to seek revenge instead of mercy. But I'm telling you right now, there's a bank in heaven of mercy. Seek mercy, not revenge. This is bigger than you. Come on, let's stand to our feet. This is bigger than you. It might open up the door. I'm going to tell you, I do feel it right now. Some of you, if you just forgive, it's going to open up a floodgate of blessing. It's like the dam holding everything back that God wants to give you. You got a wall up, but if you'll forgive, it's just going to flood down in your life. For some of you, it's forgiveness. It's, it's a, you feel the right entitled to revenge and hoping they suffer because you've suffered. It's not the will of God. Somebody say it's not the will of God. The Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You have aught in your heart? It's bigger than you. There's more than you. Don't hold blessing back from your family because you got hurt. But I was just a kid. It was not fair. No, it wasn't fair. But Jesus paid it all. He took care of it all. And he's waiting on you to trust him with his ways. Y'all hear me? The royal law. Everybody shout royal law. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Everybody say do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Scripture says if we had fulfilled that, we wouldn't need any law. I lost a few of you talking about forgiveness, but I'm right. That's Bible teaching. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody? I guess we all have. Some of you were just really little and you held on to it. Like that five-year-old kid suffered for 25 years. Suffered for 25 years. They asked him, what's wrong? Finally, he got in counseling. Every, every relationship failed. Everything in this world failed. Finally got in counseling. What is it that's really bothering you? He said, when I was five years old, my mother picked me up and shook me and threw me down and said, I hate you. I wish you were not in my life. He never got it out of his spirit. Affected every relationship because that one was shattered. Can I tell you what's holding you back? There's so much blessing beyond that unforgiveness. There's healing and deliverance and power. and Where you were wounded, healing's going to come out of your life. Man, I'm speaking in... in prophetic anointing in here right now where, where, where Paul on the island of Melita when he was bitten by a serpent when he was trying to warm by the fire and put the sticks and a viper come out and grab, grabbed his hand and everybody on the island knew that was, a, that, was a, that was a death sentence type of viper it was he shook it off in the fire threw it down out of that fire and where he had been bitten by a serpent in the wintertime. It was, it was spiritual. He didn't mean to pick that up. He, didn't, he, didn't, he wasn't looking for a serpent. He just was in the pile of sticks. He was trying to put on the fire. It bit him. Some of you had good intentions, but hurt came. You were trying your best, and hurt came. And sometimes you have hurt in your life, and you were doing things right. But what he chose to do is to not let the venom of the enemy get to his heart. He shook it off. Look at your neighbor and say, shake it. 
Come on, I want you to look at somebody with a stern look in your face and say, shake it off. My daddy used to tell a story about a guy that had an old mule. An old mule that he didn't like. And he decided to bury it. He didn't have the nerve to kill it. He's just going to bury it. He put it down, dug a pit, put it down that pit. He threw dirt on it. He said he kept throwing dirt and more dirt he threw down there, the closer the mule got to the top. He said he finally realized every time he threw dirt on that mule, he'd just shake it off and put it under its feet. Some of you have been buried in a pit. You just need to shake it off and put it under your feet and get out of that pit. Get out of that pit. Somebody shout, shake it off. He's got something better for you. And where and the hand where there was poison, healing came out by the end of that place and the healing. He brought healing to that place, laid hands on the sick, and they recovered. Now I'm going to end with this. Somebody shout, it's bigger than me. We have invested globally, but now God's investing locally. What we saw under the apostle Billy Cole, Hundreds of thousands of people in meetings being filled with the Spirit. God is getting ready to do that in the U.S. He's going to do it. Hundreds of thousands, millions are going to be filled with the Spirit. Come on, you talk about old-fashioned awakening? You mark it down, it's getting ready to happen. It's already started. It's already started. I watched the guy there. He said, I've already heard you tell these stories. Well, listen again. Matthew told it, Mark told it, Luke told it, and John told it. I'm going to tell it again. I saw a guy right there, a withered hand came in. All my life I'd heard about withered hands being healed on foreign field. Right there it came in. All I did was just say, in Jesus' name be healed. I looked at him and said, are you healed? He said, yes. Just like that. He walked out carrying his Bible. What we saw globally, he's doing locally. Brother Cody, you were there. Kashokton, blind lady was healed. Was she not? What we heard of globally has happened locally. I saw a lady stand right there. One leg shorter than the other. Walked up to her. She said, I've been crippled. I said, what's wrong? She said, I've got one leg shorter than the other. She said, my whole body puts my whole body off. I'm in pain. I said, I believe God can heal you. Give me a hand. Just, I didn't say any powerful prayer. Just simple. In the name of Jesus, be healed. She's standing right here. I was standing right there. In the name of Jesus, be healed. I got finished praying. Didn't feel anything powerful. I said, did you get healed? She said, well, I don't feel any pain in my body. I said, well, praise God. Are you healed? She said, I have to take my shoe off to see. I said, take your shoe off. When she took her shoe off, she said, it's healed. It's gone. It's gone. God has healed me. She told me the other night, she said, I'm healed. I'm healed. Amen. That's been several months ago. What God was doing globally, he's doing locally. Do you believe God can do that? It's bigger than me. Hallelujah. We've already had an altar call. But here's what God wants you to do. He wants this church to go tell what you've heard me tell. He wants you to go tell what you've seen, what you've experienced. I am commissioning this whole congregation. I'm not giving an altar call today. Amen. If you want to be baptized, there's going to be an elder right here. Or we'll have a ministry team. You want to, you've repented. You want to be baptized. I know one of, uh, one of our Sunday school children is going to be baptized today. But there's more that want to be baptized, Brother Nehemiah. Anybody came to this altar today, if you want to be saved, you can come. But for the rest of you saints, when you leave here, you need to take what you've seen and what you've heard and you need to go tell it. Come on, how many's going to go tell somebody about what you've seen? Come on, wave your hand if you're going to go tell. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Come on, you need to look at them and say, you should have been at church the other night. I saw a miracle. Amen. People in the altar today said, I no longer smoke cigarettes. God's removed my nicotine addiction. Smoke for years. Come on, heard a testimony right here today. I've been healed. Another lady said, for one month, it's gone. I have no desire for it. Why? There's a miracle worker.
Somebody shout a miracle worker. Lift your hands and pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I commission these believers to understand it's bigger than them. The salvation is bigger. Finance is bigger. Their healing is bigger. The trial is bigger. God, and what you did globally, you're going to do right here in Zanesville. 100 mile radius revival. God's going to be an indrawing power. In Jesus' name. Elder Nehemiah, why don't you come and stand at the altar? You elders, come and stand. If you're here today and you need prayer, you have, you want to be saved, I want you to come. I want you to come. They're going to play softly. God bless the rest of you. I'm leaving, leave out of the building in Jesus' name. When you leave, I'm not telling you to leave. I'm just saying when you leave. I want y'all to say, he told us, get out of the church. Won't be back next Sunday. Amen. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you go, go in Jesus' name. Take time today. Call somebody. Will you do that? Call somebody. No church tonight. God bless you. There's a Bible study here for anybody that wants to learn more about being filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized, repentance, saved, your next steps. Amen. Some of those that were praying in the altar, we want to see you in the front. God bless you today in Jesus' name.